good to be with you guys. It's been a while, and it's a joy to be with you. And uh, we just had our sister read those verses from Philippians. It's a letter written to a church. And the guy who wrote it is in prison, and he has pretty unique glasses. He has a pretty unique way of looking at everything. Like, you know, some glasses distort things. If you go to the boardwalk and you're in the fun house, you know, the funny mirrors, the, the goofy boardwalk mirrors will make your, your waist super skinny and your head super big. And those mirrors distort. Sin distorts how we see things. The gospel of Jesus are like glasses that allow you to see what's real. Uh, if I didn't have my glasses, I wouldn't legally be able to drive. I certainly couldn't read unless I held up a book right in front of my face. Some of you might be like that. I need my glasses. We actually need the gospel to see reality, to see things the right way. And because Paul sees things in such a unique way, because of Jesus and because of the gospel, he says surprising things. Like he's a prisoner, it's possible that he could be executed, and he says this is how he views life and death through his gospel glasses. He says later in this chapter, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, hey, if I live, I'm with Jesus, and I live for Jesus, but even if I die, I gain. I'm with God in heaven. It's going to be okay. So he's not afraid of death. He views life and death through the lens of the gospel. He views suffering through that lens. He's literally... Uh, he, he said this letter aloud and had someone write it down for him, but he has a chain on him. And he says, listen to how he looks at that. He assures his church, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, this doesn't mean, you know, he probably wants to get out of prison. He says that. And it doesn't mean it's not hard you know, it is. He's chained to someone. But because of the gospel, he rejoices. He's like, hey, because I'm here for the gospel, all these guards have heard about Jesus. And that message has spread. So he views his suffering through the lens of the gospel. And even in the suffering, he's like, what, what is it? Can I see anything that God is doing in this? Well, the gospel's going out, and it's advanced because of my imprisonment. All these guards and all the guard, the imperial guard uh, guarded Caesar. And all of them have heard about Jesus because Paul's in prison. So he views life and death through the gospel. He views suffering in his life through the gospel. Even later in the book, I'll give you an example. He views his regrets in the gospel. We all have things in our life where we're like, I wish I never did that. I wish I was never caught there. I wish I never developed that addiction. I wish I never had that relationship. Well, he says, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards what is ahead. And because of Jesus, he's able to forget what is behind because God has forgiven it. And that changes everything. Gospel glasses change how we view everything. Amen? So we're going to look tonight how gospel glasses change how we view the church. I want you to look with me at these verses. How does he view the church? A lot of people are down on the church. A lot of people are like, will say things today like, hey, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, but I have a beef with the church. 
I don't like the church. And maybe you're someone who's been hurt by the church or you've seen people not live, out, live it out, right? Maybe you've seen some hypocrisy and you're like, what's up with that? How does Paul view the church? Well, let's just go back to the beginning of this letter. This letter, um, it's kind of like an email, the author and the recipient, like who's getting the letter. That's all up front. That's how ancient letters work. Where our modern letters, we write a whole letter, dear so-and-so, and you have to look at the end to see who signed it. In the ancient letter, who signed it, who it's from, is right up front. So the opening verses, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how does he view the church well, what's he saying here? He says, to all the saints. So does this mean, he's like, I'm addressing the super mature hero Christians in Philippi? Is he saying, I'm addressing, I'm writing this to all the super godly people, like the special forces of Christianity, all the Eagle Scouts of Christianity? Is that who he's writing to? No. He's actually, the saints, that's all the people who believe in Jesus. Like the most important thing about you, spiritually, the most important spiritual fact about you, the thing that defines you spiritually, is if you are in Christ or not. Are you connected to Jesus or not? And the way he addresses them and how he looks at them, because it's because of how God looks at them, He's like, you're saints, you're holy ones because of Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and it means we're forgiven. It means Jesus rose from the dead, meaning one day we will. We're adopted into God's family. God's presence has come into our lives, and we've begun the change, and we want to, to continue to change in order to honor God and because we love God but we didn't earn our way into that. How do we get all that? Because of Jesus. Like God views you as holy now. Did you know that? If you're connected to Jesus, which, and we don't perform our way into being connected with Jesus, it's a sheer gift of grace, and uh, we're connected with, to Jesus by faith. We trust in him. And if you're connected to Jesus, God views you as holy. God sees you through the lens of Jesus. Now, once this gets in your heart, there's incredible relief. And you'll start, you'll still try to change, but you'll do it out of a sense of joy and love. You'll do it from peace. You already have peace with God. You're right with God. Okay? So that's, that's the most important thing about how we view the church. The church, Epiphany Gloucester, might be like one of the nine Liberty Churches. You have some people with some problems. Every Liberty Church, we have some people with some problems. I'm somebody who's got some problems and some family drama and some suffering and some past issues with an alcoholic dad. And I've changed and I'm still changing. But the most important spiritual fact is that I'm connected with Jesus. And that's how God sees me. And friends, this is how we're supposed to see each other. This is how we're supposed to look at each other. 
So like when we see each other, we don't see each other through the lens of the worst mistakes you've ever made. We don't see each other through uh, the broken, stained, and dirty glass of past problems, past struggles, past regrets, either yours or the other person's. If that person's in Christ, we see them through the lens of Jesus. And if the person's not in Christ, we see them through the lens of what they could be with Jesus' help. That's how we're going to look at each other. That's how God looks at us. So he sees them as saints. Now he's going to talk to them about getting along. It seems like they had some leaders that were actually having trouble getting along. Um, reading a New Testament letter, it's like listening to half of a telephone conversation. And if you listen to half of a telephone conversation and you hear someone saying, now don't be conceited, you know, imitate Christ. Don't just look out for your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I'm going to name you two and just call you to agree in the Lord. Now, if you hear that half of the conversation, you know there's some leaders there who are having trouble getting along. So it wasn't like they didn't have any problems. But he sees them through the lens of the gospel. And friends, we're supposed to look at each other the same way. If you're connected to Jesus, you're holy in God's sight. It's the most important spiritual fact about you. Look at what he says. Grace to you and peace from God the, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we can read this like a Hallmark card. We can read it like, hey, I'm sending you warm fuzzies and Jesus. Best wishes to you. Actually, this is a spiritual blessing. And grace and peace are what you live in if you're connected to Jesus. You have grace, forgiveness from God that you did not earn. That's what you live in. Peace with God is what you wake up in. Now, if we, like, indulge our sins and stick in sin and stiff-arm the Holy Spirit and run from God, you won't enjoy being a Christian and you won't feel peace in your heart but actually, if God's really begun a work in you, he's going to continue it. He didn't give up on you yet. And that's why you're so miserable. Because God's not going to leave you alone. But grace and peace, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he blesses them in that because it's what God has for them because they're in Christ. Um, the big word for it is spiritual union. They're in union with Jesus. Think about this. They're deeply connected to Jesus forever. You're united with Jesus. When you believe in him, he comes into your life and you enter into the church, the family of God that is in the church, that is the church. And that connection can't be broken. So the who of the church, it's the saints. Everyone connected to Jesus. Everyone in Christ, and we live in grace and peace. And even though he's in prison, as he thinks about the church, he has thanksgiving, confidence, and great love. And this is what we're called to. These are the three things he has when he looks at the church through the lens of the gospel. Three things, thanksgiving, confidence, and love. Look, thanksgiving, he's so thankful for them. Look at the prayer. Look at how he opens up. He's like, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership 
in the gospel from the first day until now. He's thankful for them. He repeats the word all. Every time I pray for you, I'm so thankful for you. And he was there when this church was planted. He was used by God to start this church. And he prays for them every day. And um, he's, he's actually thanking them for a gift. We learned later in the letter uh, what he means by partnership. Prison in the ancient world was BYOF, bring your, you know, BYO, bring your own food. You had to provide for yourself. You weren't given meals in prison. So they sent money, they sent a gift so he could be fed and provided for uh, while he's in prison. And this partnership, he's like, they're actually partnering with him in his work. You are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. They're, they're a church that supported him actually throughout his ministry, and he's so thankful for them. Now, um, actually, this word partnership, it actually means financial partnership in other ways, too. Like when Paul's collecting an offering for the poor in Jerusalem, he says, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. It's the same word. It's partnership. Uh, it's translated contribution in Romans 15. Partnership here. You made, you were partnering and partaking together, and I'm so thankful for that. Now, this needs to be a practice for us. I, I feel like there's so much going on with the pandemic, and let's face it, there's sad news all around that uh, one thing that's really helped me is as a practice before I go to bed and the first thing when I wake up I think of a few things that I'm thankful for God I thank you that you helped this person I thank you that the meal distribution that you guys do what is it every other Tuesday that's actually Hundreds of churches in the region are partaking in that. You guys are part of that. Guess what? Over a million meals have been given out so far. At the end of September, it was over a million meals. And we're all partnering in that together. God is still at work. God hasn't closed up shop because of the pandemic. God, I thank you that the gospel, I'll say something like, I think that the gospel's still going out. Or just that I had a pleasant conversation with one of my kids or that I got to exercise, or that I had food to eat that day, or had a, uh, got through something hard. Guys, friends, we need to fight to be thankful, okay? We need to cry with each other when things are lame and hard, but also fight to be thankful and look for things to be thankful. Say, God, help me to see the things around me. Help me to see what you're doing Help me to see little things I could be thankful for. And be thankful for each other. This, how would that change things? Uh, we're trained as Americans to rate things, right? You guys know about uh, Yelp. You can look up a restaurant and be like, oh, they have two stars. They have uh, five stars. This person gave them one star. They, you know, the wings came out cold. That was a one star customer right there. This guy's trying to trash him. He must hate him for some other reason. We're taught to rate things. 
you know. Pastor Steve got two and a half stars tonight for that sermon. It was okay. Could have been a little bit better. How was it? We're trained to, like, rate things. We're not shaped as Americans to look constantly for reasons to be thankful. Friends, we've got to fight for this. This is not the way we're supposed to think about church. We ought to say, thank you. You know, let's thank the Lord tonight uh, for Pastor Joe and his dear wife and his family and for Dylan, for the other leaders, for the deaconesses you have in training. And for other, let's thank the Lord that God's raising up some servant leaders. Let's thank the Lord for a place to meet. Let's thank the Lord that the gospel's here and we can sing praise to Jesus. Let's not give the Christians in our life or the church we're a part of one star for some lame reason in our head. Let's be thankful for each other. Amen? Can we do that tonight and just give thanks? Um, let's make that a practice. I'm going to pray that way at the end. Let's pray that we'll be thankful for each other like our brother, the Apostle Paul, models for us. Also, because of how Paul looks at the church, he's confident. He's confident. Look at what he says. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Now, what's he saying? They're not completely mature yet. Some of their leaders are arguing or something. They have some ambition, some selfishness. They're not completely there yet. You're not completely there yet. And I'm not completely there yet. And so we can't be confident in ourselves. What's he confident about? That he who began a good work in you, which is God, will complete it. God's going to do it. What was that first song we sang? He's faithful. God is faithful. God's going to do it. He hasn't given up on you yet. Um, look at, maybe you have um, an addiction or a pattern or uh, you have a complaining spirit or a problem relationship and you get tired of fighting it. And what are we tempted to do when we're tired of fighting the same things? We're tempted to tap out and give up. We're tempted to just say, this, this is too hard to go against this. I just got to go with it. Keep on swinging no matter how much you fail. Keep on fighting. Know that God isn't through with you yet. He who began a good work on you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's just true. And this is how we should look at the work in our church community. You know, our church. There is Epiphany Gloucester. City is a work. And God's begun this. And he's going to grow it. And may he continue to bless it and work in people's lives. And God's work in your life. Be confident. Look at the church through the lens of Jesus. And it helps us to have joy, it helps us to not be overwhelmed, it helps us to not give in to fear. Amen? And then, looking at the church through the lens of Jesus leads to this, it leads to love. Um, what The words he uses, it's, they sound so strong, it's almost goofy. He says, it's right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart. You are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's able to say with a straight face, 
I love you so much. God knows how I have the affection of Jesus flowing through me for you. I love you guys. I'm really for you. I want to have your back. And it's right for me to feel this way about you. He loves them. You know, he loves them. We've been saved by Jesus. Uh, You've been saved by Jesus. I've been saved by Jesus. We're all partners together. Someone like cheered when um, when you read the, the, the mission statement for Epiphany, that you guys are making disciples to be a family together. Together. Okay? Together. It's right to feel a certain way about each other because you're all on the receiving end of grace. And it means you're on the receiving end of forgiveness and God's love. It also means that the mission of the gospel, like living it out in this town, you guys are part of that. Paul's like, look, you're my partner in grace and both in my imprisonment in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You guys got my back and you're for me and you're partnering with me now even though I'm in prison because I'm in prison for Jesus. Let's have each other's back so much that we, we partner Uh, we're partners of God's grace and we love each other and we also partner in living out that love together. He's like, we're going to live out the gospel together. We're partners in grace and we're going to live it out together even if we suffer. Now, um, look at how he prays. He's like, I do love you, but this is his prayer for the church. And could we, I'm going to pray this for us tonight. Verse 9, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge in every kind of discernment. Uh, This means, look, if we really saw how God has loved us in Jesus, we'd love God more and we'd love each other more. And our love would have more knowledge. We'd be wiser in actually treating each other right. We'd be wiser in how we live. We'd want to love God more with our life. And we'd, we'd... approve the things that are superior we live wiser because we want to love god and love each other and be pure and blameless in the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god it's like i pray that you'll grow in love friends i want to invite you to breathe in the love of god tonight in the gospel we're gathered together in jesus name We're forgiven by God, loved by God. Breathe in that love tonight, and let's breathe that out on each other. Let's breathe that out on each other all week. Let's breathe in that love of God, and let's breathe that out on our neighbors. Let's breathe in that love of God, and breathe that out on your city together. Let's breathe in the love of God, the love that God has for us, and breathe that out on the world that God has put us in. Amen? Amen. Allow me to pray for us. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we pray we look at ourselves through the lens of the gospel. Uh, You've made us holy through your work, not our own work. You've brought forgiveness, new hope, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you won't give up on us. Uh, We pray we'd look at ourselves that way. We pray we'd see each other that way. We pray we'd see the church through the lens of the gospel and be thankful 
Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for all the families that have been loved every other Tuesday. We thank you for the kids in the youth group and the kids being taught right now. We thank you that anyone uh, in any spiritual condition is welcome to come here and learn about Jesus. Lord, we thank you that this church is here proclaiming the gospel, confirming the gospel. Lord, I pray you bless the ministry of this church. Bless the new and upcoming leaders. Pray that they pray for each other like crazy. Be thankful for each other. Lord, our confidence isn't in ourselves. We're smart. Our confidence is not what we have, but it's that you began this good work. You're the one who saves people. You're not going to give up on us. Pray that we'd know that tonight. Lord, may we breathe in your love for us. We thank you for the love of Christ, which we don't deserve. Yet you poured it out on us. We pray we pour out love on each other this week. We pray we pour out love on our neighbors and on this town. We pray that, that you would be glorified. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.